The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Roma Craft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor strength and body you are looking for in that moment when you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch simple yet substantial tobacco talent time roma craft tobacco the after show 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 it's the after show the show after the show it's may we're in May. We have some sunshine, and we have uh, not that many days left before we're able to open up. And I see it happening all across the country. I'll tell you, our numbers came in for April. They were huge. And uh, thanks for everybody for um, listening to the show. This is a podcast-only show. Um, we blew up when it comes to our YouTube and um, Facebook. Facebook. Huge. Uh, blew up. Uh, but I'm hoping everybody goes back to their regular way that they listen to the show because it's not a lot to see here anyway. Yeah. But well, go back to podcast. Well, speak for yourself. I, yeah, I, I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed you hacking your hair to bits on uh, with the Floby. Yeah. And, and let's admit it, I'm a hunk of hunk of burning love, burning love. And yeah, I can mean, we I, give I, Barry a shave with the the Floby at some point? A shave or a uh, whatever the haircut? I haven't had one of those in a long time. I call it shaving. I got a haircut. I got a haircut uh, four days before the shutdown, and thankfully my hair grows really, really slow. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, you're fine. You look so well kept. Well, yeah, I got uh, a cordless wall. Okay, so, you know I buzz it. I got the one blade, the two blade, and the three blade. The only way to go is the Floby. But you know that already. I know now. that. Uh, okay, so on the show this week uh, in the news. Barry got to something that we could certainly do a whole show on, um, and as more information is coming in, we'll, we'll announce as it's coming in, but we got lots of theories and stuff. Barry, what was that story? So Imperial Tobacco Group has come to a $1.3 billion agreement to sell their premium cigar division with all but the U.S. entities going to Allied Cigar Corporation and the U.S. entities going to Gemstone Investment Holdings with the deal expecting to close in the third quarter. Okay, very, very interesting. We knew this was coming, that somebody was going to buy Altadis, um, and, and um, that it wasn't allowed to be separated. If you remember, the original press release that came out that said they're selling it as a whole. Mm -hmm. And here it is being separated. Uh, I know a lot of the back-end dealings of, of this because I actually had a client that was interested in the purchase of it, which didn't happen, um, which, by the way— Are you now an attorney? I, I am not. I am not. He's a facilitator. <laughs> I am a connector of people. That's what he does. Um, Connect there, there was a lot I couldn't say while it was happening. And uh, even to this moment, I don't know how much. You I'm may have already to said too much. No, I, haven't, have said, to I haven't said too much because it, it, it certainly didn't happen. And I'm not naming names. Um, but the first thing I got to say is I was shocked how low 
the whole thing ended up going. First off, they were looking for $2 billion. The total was $1.3 billion, which still, there's a lot of value to what happened with the Cuban side, somebody's partners with the Cuban side. My theory is that it went so low because they're going to give the controlling interest, whoever this group is, is going to give the controlling interest back to Cuba. Right now, it's a 50-50 thing with um, Imperial, 50-50 with Cuba, and that's the um, the way the deal is structured now. And supposedly, this new entity bought 50%, the, the only amount they could buy from um, Imperial, which is 50%. Now they're a 50-50 partner with Cuba in that side of it. That side now also includes, though, the Dominican factory and the Honduran factory. And for a measly $200 million, and I say measly $200 million because they bought this other group, supposedly, this other group, and again, I told you at the beginning, it had to be sold to one group. The other group bought all of J.R. Segar's in all its entities, including Santa Clara Wholesale Division, along with Casa Monte Cristo's, 15 of them? Casa Monte Cristo's, along with the rights and ownership of all the trade names, including Monte Cristo, Romeo and Juliet, Henry Clay, everything that they end up having, lots and lots of brands, including all the finished cigars, all the stuff that's in the warehouses, and all the buildings and everything that they own for $200 million. I had somebody at 50% more than that. No kidding. And they didn't, they didn't give it to them. So what the hell happened here? What about, and sorry to back you up on this, but what about early, early on in the Cigar Authority's history, there was a story run about how Spain bailed Cuba out and they did it for a 50-year guarantee that they would handle distribution of the Cuban cigars. Does that stay intact? Or is this going to null and void that? I would say it null and voids it because now whoever this company is... Uh, Has to open up distribution channels throughout the rest of the world? Well, they already have distribution channels. Uh, oh, no. Um, they no, they they got that. That other side bought whatever it has. Okay. Um, If they didn't own some of those things, if, the, if it was an agreement, I guess they either have on contract that their agreement is still good up until whatever it runs out, another 48 years or right. whatever it is. Uh, if, if with that, one of the assets is an agreement like that, which I would imagine would be, right? Yeah. You wouldn't buy $1.3 billion and say, now we can do whatever we want. But my belief is that they will give a percentage back to Cuba, making Cuba um, the um, a bigger shareholder and actually call the shots. By the way, Cuba did call the shots in this because they had the right of first refusal uh, and also the right to decide who their, who their partner was going to be. So if they ended up saying, I don't like that partner, you can't have them. You can't you can't sell your half to somebody that I don't want to be partners with, uh, supposedly within the contract. Um, but anyway, according to Barry's information, and he got this off somebody's press release to put it out, mm -hmm. two entities 
bought this thing, one for the U.S. side that did not include the two factories, Honduras and the Dominican Republic. All it included was the U.S. entity. But they sell cigars, right? They own the rights to all those cigar brands. Right. And now, today, when this ends up going through, and we're, we're saying at the third quarter, so September, yeah. um, they have nobody making cigars for them. They have no cigars. So what do they run around and say, hey, will you make Romeo and Juliet for me? Will you make Monte Cristo for me? Will you make <coughs> Chapman for me? Will you make all these brands? That they have no factories now to make cigars, which sounds impossible. And my belief is it is not impossible because they are the same person. And there's nothing wrong with having two corporations. I have multiple corporations sure. because of real estate and different other reasons. I believe these are the same people. And I have, this is educated guesses. I don't know anything. But these must be the same exact people. All right. Here's my question. Early on in our prediction shows, you were talking about the Helms-Burton Act and how if someone purchased 50% or all of Habanos and the cigars are still going to be made in Cuba or whatever happened with Altadas, that it would have to be a privately owned company, yep. something that didn't, a company that didn't have stocks, right. they didn't answer to shareholders, that no U.S. person could buy shares yes. to Correct. and make money off of a sale of a Cuban cigar because that's what the Helms-Burton Act is. Correct. And they and they accomplished that. You theorized that one of the few companies that could pull that off was Davidoff. Yeah. I believe they, they had the money and I believe they were interested in it. Is there... I know they were interested in it. Is there some connection between Davidoff or some Davidoff something? There is. So I and I'm and I'm surprised Barry didn't get ahead on me because you're more the investigative reporter. I was doing some, and I concur with you that it is one owner. All signs are pointing to well, not one owner, but one group. Yeah, and two separate entities, uh, both being registered in Hong Kong. Right. So, so the the, the perfect thing that, that's here is you have two communist countries. You have communist China. And you have communist Cuba, and I believe that they're together. And there's maybe some underlying agreements for them to pay 50% less. In money. In money. There's other things that are there, unbeknownst to me. Petroleum, um, protection. There, had, the to, knows there had to be some backdoor deals. Yes. There's it's some, the only way it that, makes sense. Uh, there's something that made them agree to that. Now... Back to the Davidoff formula. Davidoff, which is a privately held company that that um, there are no shareholders or right. anything in there. Um, I mean, there's no um, family owned and operated, and nobody gets. Um, you can't buy stock in the company. Correct. or Something. Um, they and they're a worldwide company. Um, their interest was a few years back, and it was when Hans Christian was the president, worldwide president of Davidoff at the time, and he had much interest in it, and he had strong connections in Hong Kong. When the bidding and stuff happened with this, his, his group made an offer and was refused. Later on, new entities were formed, which Barry said what the, the, the names of those 
corporations were. And it's interesting, in their press release, they say, we're going to stay unknown. Why would you stay unknown? Wouldn't you be proud? Wouldn't you be all happy to announce this and send your people into the U.S. and, and say, this is who we are? Why are you being unknown? It, that they don't need to be known because if you create a new realm of cigar liberties, now you're beholden to these people. You let the cigars be the cigar liberties, and now people already know the names. But you don't, you don't, American, say, you don't say these are the people that own it? So the guys, the guys that are buying Romeo and Julieta, don't give a shit who owns it. That's just their cigar that they smoke, based on the millions of dollars of advertising that have happened, the connection to the Cuban front marks, or by knowing who is the owner of this, would not necessarily the the retailer because they're going to buy what people want. Want does the consumer not want to buy that product based on who owns it, especially where we are in this day and time right now. The coronavirus and all this stuff and, and, and um, our trade deals with China and all this that's going on is, is the reason we're better off not saying who we are right now because we're in a bad situation. And, th and this has been going on for months. This deal happened before this happened. I, w I would say um, by the first of the year, they had made their decision what they were going to do. I think if you look at the beer industry, you know, nobody knows who owns, uh, you know, Ambev. They own a, a whole bunch of beers. Guaranteed, nobody could tell you, very few people could tell you all the entities that Am Ambev owns. So the same thing with a cigar smoker. Nobody knows who the owner is. We always knew who Altadas was. We did because we're, we take our love of cigars to the extreme. But the we average but Joe we, walking we don't in the know door. Who, we don't know who Altadas is right now. Do you, we know who owns every company that we deal with, but we don't know who Altadas is. But we're is. different than consumers. The person listening to this show will be able to tell you who owns Tatuaje, who owns, who owns uh, Hammer and Sickle, who owns Romeo and Juliet. So on and so they, forth. They won't know who owns Romeo and Juliet. But the the person that doesn't listen to a show like this could care less. Yeah, they're buying a product, so yeah, they're buying they're they're taking they're taking the easy way out by never venturing outside their comfort zone. You don't know who owns Dunkin' Donuts. No, nor do you care. Nor do I care. Yeah, you go get a cup of coffee, and yeah. that's all that matters, and that's it. It's there for you, right? Why do they, but why would they set, put two separate corporations together and not say who this, who they are? Well, could it be that they're planning on opening up shares available in the U.S. so a U.S. citizen could buy it and they have to have that separation based on Absolutely. the Absolutely. So it is, or did they separate the two so that they could sell the second one? That's also a possibility. Which, listen, this is what was going on in my little world of what was happening because it needed to be separated. It could not be sold to a U.S. entity, as you say, with yep. Helms Burton and everything that happened. So things were figured out of, okay, how do we do this in one second that this happens? So somebody buys the whole thing, and one second later, that piece is sold off to somebody else. But 
along with that would have to be the factories because this thing can't operate it without cigars. What are they going to stop running around and knock on doors and say, hey, Nick Perdomo, will you make a cigar for us? <laughs> hey, how about you? Will you make? And we're talking about gigantic amounts of numbers. Also, that it's sold for so little. A business is sold EBITDA, earnings before taxes and interest. That company was making so little money, profit, mm -hmm. it's unbelievable, that some of their entities were losses. Some of the um, company had so much fat at the very top of it, um, of presidents and vice presidents and so much that was going there, that at the bottom line, and that's how you look at it as, as a company, and that's how you looked at it as a stock, that was hurting Imperial Cigar, that that entity of premium cigars was hurting them because they have a machine that makes cigarettes like crazy, fast, fast, fast. Right. Here we are as, as premium cigar people, we get tobacco, we grow it for nine months, then we get it and we hold it for three years and we go through all the process, then we roll it, then we distribute it off to little mom and pops who slowly pay- Buy a box at a time. Yeah. Oh my God. No. Or singles at a time, break well, it. When Imperial reported the revenue from there, did they have a breakdown between Altadis USA versus the Habanos piece, or it was lumped together? I, I got a final number of what it was, but I never got the breakdown that I asked for. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see how, how it was broken down. and um, But as a whole piece, including the factories, it was much, much lower I actually felt good for myself that I'm running this little two-guy smoke shop thing, and I go, I'm doing pretty damn good. I'm not doing as good as that, but I ain't that far away. Holy right. shit. Uh, that's what happens with massive companies, and that's the, the beauty of the cigar industry. You know, A little guy can, can do so well in an industry like this even with giants that are out there, because, you know, a giant company, it's like a ship. It needs to make a turn. It takes forever to make their turn, where little companies can just Bang. Do, do it so quick. And, um, you know, whatever's happening now in the cigar industry with COVID-19 that we just got through and, you know, what ends up happening there, little companies that survive through this are going to be able to make some changes and, and, and flip where some of the big guys, maybe not, maybe not. So very, very interesting of, yeah. of um, we don't know who they are. We know how this industry works, Barry. We're going to find out. 100%. They, they can't keep it a secret. I know they are keeping a secret, but I promise you I'm going to find out. You know, and maybe the company purposely decided to do this in the third quarter. They'll, when the sales finalize, they'll step out behind the curtain like Oz, and you'll find out who the wizard is. They don't want us to know. and We'll probably I, find out before then. Li but. Listen, I... I I went and did a Barry Steinman. I was doing some, some serious <laughs> yeah. investigation this week. Uh, God knows I've had time. And um, I read a, an article in a French publication. And I'm looking through the article. By the way, I don't read French. Or uh, speak it. Yeah, at all. <laughs> and here I am going through it, looking for something that's recognizable. And Hans Christian, formerly of Davidoff's name, appeared there. I picked that article up. I put it into a translator. Um, I get the information back and read there that they believe that he is part of this group, um, which to me lines up to... Well, you would need somebody that has experience in premium cigars 
and has experience in running a big giant ship. And he does. The one thing he doesn't is probably the factory end of it, and they don't have any factories. But the other side does, because I do believe they're one and the same, or else they couldn't get cigars. Or right now, I'd be hearing from manufacturers say, guess who came to me? They want me to make all Monte Cristos now. And this one would be say, oh, they're looking for Romeo and Juliet. And it'd be crazy time right now, especially in these little places, right. Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras. Uh, I know these people, and I, I would hear that by now, and I haven't heard, heard a thing. They're all set with the factories. Uh, I happened to talk to one of the heads of the factory uh, on Sunday in Honduras for Altadas, and this was the day before they announced it. He already knew, I'm sure, and um, he did not, uh, of course, he's not going to say anything anyway, but he was happy, and it wasn't like he was going to lose his job. <laughs> um, is part of this now that they, that this entity that is, 50% owned by Cuba now has a Dominican factory and a Honduran factory. Dun, think, dun, dun. think of it that way now. So Cuba now owns 50% of a Honduran factory and a, Nicarag and a Dominican. Dominican factory. Tobacco fields. They can control their own uh, fakes now. <laughs> <laughs> or, or they start blending. As a cigar smoker, that's the one thing I would look forward to if the embargo was ever lifted. Blends utilizing elements of Cuban tobacco. And they could learn how to process it differently than they do now. I don't want to say better, but... Maybe learn how to roll better. Yeah, they could learn <laughs> things. Uh, or does this other half of the entity own all that and Cuba does not own any of it? Interesting. So I'm trying to figure it all out as we're talking about it. So we're really, we're opening the mics up today and just talking amongst ourselves of what we feel about what this is, because what we know is um, the unknown. They, they're not saying what it is, and uh, I have lots of thoughts in mind that the only way is these two people are the same people uh, under two different corporations, which is very common. It's not uncommon. But in the press release, it, it made it seem like they were two separate entities completely. Um, they they want to have that. that, that that's a, they, there's a wall between them. Right. Um, and what is that wall? Is, is it a Chinese firewall? It is a firewall. Um, I would say yes, it is a Chinese okay. firewall. Let's, let's check <laughs> it. If it's anything like Chinese drywall, it's not very good. No? No. All right. We'll there see. was a whole thing in Florida where companies using Chinese drywall and the houses became ininhabitable and there were huge lawsuits against developers. So, uh, It was some sort of ammonia or something inside the, inside the thing, I remember. Yeah, something happened there. Um, you, but do you, you think the consumer would, if it ends up being... China owns it. Um, the government of China ends up owning it. Do you think there's any pushback from any retailers or any consumers based on that? Will will there be a Chinese pushback in the United States on all Chinese products? I think people want to do a pushback on Chinese products, but I think they're everywhere. That. People are buying stuff, not realizing it's even made in China. And now they're saying stuff's coming out of China that says made in Vietnam. Ah. They're changing the labels, and Vietnam called them out on it. Uh, Ed was in Nam. 
I was in the Nam. Yeah. Just not that long ago. Though. No, it wasn't, so it wasn't, it wasn't in the dangerous. 60s. No. Yeah, it wasn't in the 60s. <laughs> uh, all right, that's the after show. Um, you've learned nothing, I would say. Yeah, just stick the lid into your mouth. You'll like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.